0: Welcome to the podcast channel for the Santa Fe Community Foundation. This is Bill Smith, the President and CEO here at the Community Foundation. And we're starting to do um, pretty informal conversations with people that we think are doing extraordinary things here in town who are really trying to, to make a difference for Santa Fe, for Northern New Mexico, and really for our entire state. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined um, by two um, amazing colleagues, but also dear friends of mine. So, uh, Cindy Kahn, who's the executive director at Creative Santa Fe, and Daniel Warwath, who's the COO at the New Mexico Interfaith
1: Housing Alliance Coalition. Just housing. Well, well, technically, Community Housing Development Corporation. Yeah, I tend to leave that all alone. It's a lot of words. It's a lot of words.
0: Well listen, I'm really thrilled um to be able to spend a little time with both of you today and uh, the impetus for this really and and as an upfront is that the Santa Fe Community Foundation has been a supporter of the work that you two have been involved in over on Siler Road and the development of of a innovative uh and important contribution to our housing um uh, situation here in Santa Fe. So we're in a, we are a supporter at the foundation and we're also um an investor. Uh, because we believe in the work that you've been doing and housing is a big issue for us. So that is a caveat up front. Um, Why don't I start by letting maybe Cindy, you could just talk a little bit about what is this project and uh, then we'll bring Daniel in to add some additional commentary.
2: So the Silo Yard Arts and Creativity Center started as an idea in the community. The imagination of the community probably... 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, you know, obviously Santa Fe has a very big housing need, we always have, and um, housing for artists has been one of the biggest issues. We've lost so many young creative people because they can't afford to live here. So when our team took over Creative Santa Fe eight years ago, we decided to finally inherit this idea and make it happen. And so for the past eight years, we've been chipping away at this idea of how do you build affordable live workspace that's equitable and that really encourages people to come here, stay here, be creative, and also learn the tools and the skills that they need in order to thrive as creative entrepreneurs. So it was four years ago, Daniel? It was five years ago, time flies, um, our team brought Daniel's team on as the developer for this project. And so Daniel has really been, we've been hand-in-hand hand, um, seeing this to, f- to fruition for the past five years. Awesome.
0: And then you step into the project and you just, um, Daniel, start adding all sorts of crazy ideas. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think, you think <laughs> you're kidding. How did you, what was that like when you came onto this project?
1: Well, it was um, certainly stepping into a very complex situation. I think one of the challenges of a big community project like this is, you end up sort of being at the center of a lot of different partners with different expectations, um, different risk tolerances, uh, a lot of different opinions and having to manage all that. And um, we came in at a point where there was good political capital and support, um, but really had to take the project to the next level in terms of identifying a specific site um, and starting to structure the actual financing and community outreach components of the project. Which sp- were both huge. Huge, huge, huge. Yeah, huge yeah. All those yeah. were really, like any one of those should have yielded a, an affordable housing project. <laughs> 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 any The yeah. outreach process should have made an affordable housing. The political process should have made it. affordable We should have like three or four of these. Well, families. remind us again the scale of this. How many units is it? It's a 65-unit project, and it's a range of one, two, and three-bedroom units, 100% uh, income restricted to folks under 60% of median income, so earning about uh, $30,000 a year for an individual, and then rents tiered down to 30% of median income. So the lowest cost rent in the project will be about $420 a month, all utilities included. Yeah. That's profoundly um, affordable for Santa Fe, right? Deeply affordable, yeah. yeah. And really the idea of the project is that, you know, when we talk about how do we create systemic change in housing, I think we were in many ways the pilot project that points the way to how local communities can structure these investments that actually give back a ton. And I think one of the biggest challenges we had probably was getting – the, the city government and elected officials to think in terms of investment rather than um, giving you something or subsidizing something, right? This was a, a huge investment in affordable housing that has these huge paybacks and broad prosperity that comes from those, everything from the fact that the project will pay just north of a million dollars in gross receipts tax from its construction, the fact that uh, the average resident in that project will save something like uh, $3,500 a year when compared to even conservative fair market rents, Um, and that we're really trying to leverage affordable housing funding to support Uh, economic development. And so then on top of this, we have all the benefits of uh, supporting the growth and development of of creative sector businesses in our community. So it's it's really a win-win-win, and it was a heavy lift. There's a lot of really straightforward affordable housing that you can do that isn't this complex and doesn't take this long and doesn't take as many local resources. But I really think it will demonstrate uh, unequivocally that these types of investments are sort of the rising tides lift all ships abundance mentality that we need to get into as a community to, to be prosperous in our future.
2: I think the other thing that this project really sort of turned the tide on, and of course, you know, Creative San had never done anything in affordable housing, and you know, Daniel probably Although now you've
0: been dragged yeah. <laughs> into lots of really interesting <laughs> now, things, now so I we're feel grateful like we're, for that. We're, you
2: know, sort of. The veterans um, with a lot of scars. Um, but I think that what I didn't realize, that Daniel helped me realize, and then going through this process, was that the assumption often with affordable housing is you build as many units as you possibly can on a plot of land without really thinking about space, size, equity, green space, um, shared resources. And so this project, one of the hardest things we found was to defend the idea that you build a very elegant, well-designed, green project that helps people not only get a roof over their head, but but move up in the world and and learn how to have the, the type of family and lifestyle in order they can actually move out up in the world rather than just build a whole bunch of... You know, a project, yeah, um, and ha- shove as many units as you possibly can on an acre. Because it's
0: beautiful. I remember when I first came to the foundation. Um, you all had done done an event, and I kind of knew what was going on over there, but um, hadn't really seen it. And I remember coming over. Was it in the old mix space? I can't remember. It but was, you guys did yeah, an event it, over there. It was uh, Gregory Wait's space oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah Yeah, and I remember coming to that and thinking, this is not what people would think of as their typical affordable housing space. It's gorgeous.
2: And we hope that becomes a national model. And And we got a National Endowment for the Arts grant for that sort of thing. You know, when you get $150,000 National Endowment for the Arts, you get the national eye on your project.
1: Yeah, and I think... One of the things that that Our Town grant allowed us to do was invest over $120,000 in community-based design process, which is not something that affordable housing projects generally benefit from. Um, and that was a huge opportunity to fund design professionals to work with you know, the types of people we hope to serve in the project and really create something that reflects not only the the technical needs of people in live work units but also the aesthetic needs and the unique aesthetics of that neighborhood Um, to me it's like um one of the biggest pieces of this was that we really were guided by community input in what we created and it's worth noting that made it more expensive and harder to fund and harder to build and that was one of the challenges we faced but i think one of the things we can do as a community is recognize that like when we do all the things we say we want to do, when we consult communities deeply, uh, consult the neighborhoods where we're building these um, transformative projects, when we consult with the constituencies that we hope to serve and give them a voice in in the design process, um, sometimes it yields things that are harder, more expensive, harder to build, less constructible, because they're not the type of kind of warehousing yeah. uh, people with limited means that, that Cindy's yeah. talking about. Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that we need to recognize, that um, the benefits are there for giving people with limited means high-quality design. Yeah. It's about not just giving people cheap places to live and work, but giving them an inspirational space to live and, and feel respected Absolutely. and valued. Absolutely.
0: Uh, before we shift to... Um, the last point sort of around timeline so you know what does the timeline look like for this project I think one of the most important things also to underscore and Daniel you were really spearheading a lot of this was um, and you touched on a little bit but just the the innovative financing right um, not only can occur but in many instances has to occur Mm -hmm. Uh, in order for something like this to
1: come yeah. into being, so can you maybe just briefly touch on sure. that? Yeah, because so we can do it here. That's there's why. there's a yeah. few layers of this, but basically the quick way to understand this is that um, about a fifth of the pro- of the American population nationally will never earn enough money to afford the most inexpensive market rate housing right unfortunately the federal government only provides us about 20 percent of the resources we need to meet the needs of those people Um, then you have a situation where local governments state governments need to step in to fill that four-fifths gap Um, in the case of this particular project um, the total construction of this project is actually about 18.4 million dollars Um, It grew and cost over a million dollars just in the last year. There's a lot of factors that that are going into making building affordable housing really expensive. But in this case, we have um, federal low-income housing tax credits, which are providing about $10 million. We have a mortgage, which is providing about $5.5 million. Um, We have... uh, City contributions, land donation, $400,000 of infrastructure, and the city waives permit and impact fees for affordable housing. So that's about $2.2 million. And then we're raising three quarters of a million dollars to make this a net zero solar project. So, um, And we're, we're well on our way to that with about $360,000 of commitments towards that goal. But it was actually, in the scheme of things, certainly the, the local contributions were critical in winning that big $10 million subsidy award, but it was actually in the end the solar power which makes the financing of this work. And it's that little bit of gap funding that we get from uh, local philanthropic sources and grants to buy that solar system that lowers our operating cost enough that we could borrow more money. And what that ended up doing was actually. Lowering our subsidy request, which was what made us score so high in the statewide competition for this funding because really only Four projects five projects a year get funded statewide and so so going greener over here is really put you over the edge over It, the, it over did the and it was an my... initial yeah. aspiration of the project and something we thought we were going to have to abandon because the state stopped uh, Providing mm-hmm. points in their scoring system for the subsidy for a green building, but in the end Uh, The cost of the solar panels and the energy density of those panels had increased so much during the planning period of the project that basically for about $12,000 a unit, we can net zero uh, an affordable uh, rental unit. Um, And hopefully everyone's going to be doing this once we make the
0: example. Let me say we're taping this um, in the conference room at the community foundation and our lights are on because of the solar on the roof which i think is really exciting every day we've gone net zero here which i think is great so um just quickly give us a timeline on uh on on completion of this project and when we
1: can expect to see kids playing and artists painting and so we're we're working really quickly we've been uh basically working full speed since we got the subsidy award notification in, in June. Uh, we're tracking towards a March groundbreaking, which would mean the first- March 2020. March 20 of this coming year, yep, March 2020. And that would mean that uh, the first units would be finished and ready for occupancy around this time next year. So November of 2020, we'll have the first phase of buildings done uh, with the build out happening probably late spring uh 2021 awesome yeah thanks it's really exciting uh cindy any last words
2: just how excited we are that you know eight years seeing this come to fruition has just been a dream come true and we hope this becomes a model both throughout our state and nationally
0: well huge kudos and thanks to both of you and so many others for the steadfast um effort to make this project happen i think it's been really catalytic actually just in terms of um generating community conversations um, that we're yielding even more from now when it comes to thinking about what Midtown, pro- what the Midtown campus is going to look like, new apartment buildings going up, other opportunities for development. So um, it's part of the solution to
2: our housing crisis here. So thank thank you, you to the Community Foundation for your continued belief in and support of this project. We Absolutely. really couldn't have done it yep. without you and the other community supporters that believed in this project from the beginning.
0: Thank you so much. Daniel Warwath of the New Mexico Interfaith Housing and Cindy Con of Creative Santa Fe. Um, Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Thanks, Bill.